Arizona Science is supported by Research Corporation for Science Advancement. For AZPM, I'm Tim Swindle, Professor Emeritus of Planetary Science at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Caitlin Crowder, an Associate Professor of Astronomy at the University of Arizona who studies the formation of stars, including binary stars. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you. Caitlin, we have a single sun, but how common are binary stars? Binary stars are incredibly common. So for a star like our sun, about half the time they're found uh, with another star as a companion. And that star can be in a variety of different locations. So if you think of our solar system for scale, there are stars like our sun that have another stellar companion orbiting well within the orbit of Mercury. In fact, the orbits can be as short as only a few days. So imagine that a year would only take three or four days. They can also be on much, much larger scales. They can orbit out near where, say, Jupiter orbits, beyond the orbit of Pluto, or even many, many thousands of times further away than that. So they're a really diverse population, but they're really quite common. In fact, I like to often say that we shouldn't really think about single star formation as the default way that stars form in our galaxy and in our universe, because more than half of them really are found with other stellar companions. Now... Sometimes there's one, sometimes there's two. I think we even have seen one system where there's seven stars that are all gravitationally bound and orbiting around one another in a very complex dance. Is there something fundamentally different about multiple star systems than there is about a system with a single star? Uh, I don't think so, in the sense that I, I really do think that most stars probably begin their life with another stellar companion, and some of them just don't stick around until the end of the day. Um, but that's one of the questions that we've been trying to answer for, you know, 20, 30 years now. What exactly are you doing to study these stars? So we take kind of a combined approach of trying to do both complex modeling with very large-scale computer simulations and also using very, very large observational data sets. And I think one of the exciting things about working in this field is that in the last decade or so, we've seen tremendous progress in terms of both the types of computations that we can perform and maybe even more importantly in terms of the observational data that is available to us in the form of very large surveys of the entire sky. How do planets fit into all of this? Planets form on, we think, a little bit smaller scale. So if you take one of these stars and you wait a little while, uh, it will begin to form a disk, a sort of flat pancake of material that rotates around under the sort of basically following Kepler's laws of gravity. And that disk of gas and dust is a really excellent birth environment for planets. Hydrogen gas, the simplest element, is the most abundant in the universe. And that's almost everything in the whole universe. Next up is helium. So about 70% hydrogen, 20, 25% helium. And then everything else is all the other elements in the periodic table. But if you sit here on Earth, Earth is in fact 99% all that other stuff and very little of the most abundant elements in the universe. So when we talk about making planets, we're actually trying to take sort of the 1% of stuff and make a whole planet out of that. And so it's this complex process of trying to get these tiny little dust grains to clump together, to grow, to form rocks, to form objects that are like asteroids, to form objects that are like the cores of planets, like the moon or Mars or Mercury, to get bigger and bigger to form something like Earth. And in some cases, we can get these big rocky cores to be large enough that they start to accrete 
some of that hydrogen and helium and turn into a planet like Jupiter. Why doesn't our own sun have a companion? Well, we can't say for sure, but but maybe one way to answer that question is to say that we're here talking about it. And, and what I mean by that is that binary stars can be pretty disruptive to planetary systems. So if there was a binary companion to our sun that was within 10 or 100 times the separation that the Earth is from our own sun, we wouldn't be here. There wouldn't really be a way for the planets that, that we know and love in our own solar system to have formed and stay in nice, calm, quiet orbits around our sun. So the fact that Earth is where it is and that we have had a calm evolutionary environment for complex life to arise may well be due to the fact that there isn't another star in our system that's kicking up the dust, so to speak. Thanks for talking with us, Caitlin. You're welcome. It's been a great pleasure. Our guest today has been Caitlin Cratter, who studies the formation of binary and other stars. This is Tim Swindle, and you have been listening to Arizona Science. You can also listen to this and other Arizona Science segments by going to the AZPM website at azpm.org. Thank you to Research Corporation for Science Advancement for their support of Arizona Science.